Amen. Amen. And thank you to the Edwards for sharing that with us this morning. That was delightful. And I'm also going to say thank you to Ms. Tucker for singing this morning. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in the back listening to her sing crying. So it's just beautiful. So thank you so much. Uh, this is a Easter Sunday at Bethany United Methodist Church where we're leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, to grow in his image. We're glad you have joined with us this morning. And what I want to invite you to do is to stand wherever you are. Uh, uh, and uh, join with me in uh, this, this old proclamation of the truth of the Easter morning. I'm going to say, and you repeat after me, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. We're going to begin this morning by uh, reading the story from the 20th chapter of John's Gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and in John's Gospel, that's a reference to John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to remind you on this story we began early in the morning. It's, uh, in this photo, the light is up, but it would have still been dark. It would have been very early in the morning. And we have the disciples coming to the tomb. They're, they're not coming to the tomb to find the resurrected Christ. That's not their expectation. They're coming to the tomb to finish the burial preparations. Um, it's easy for us to forget 
what these people had invested in this and, and how they might have been feeling. They had been following Jesus for three years. Many of the disciples had given up everything they had. They'd given up their, their livelihoods, their jobs, their possessions. Many of them had left family behind and left friends behind. And some of them, in following Jesus, had driven a wedge between themselves and their family and friends. They had literally bet everything on Jesus as the Messiah. And then on Good Friday, it had all seemed to come crashing down when he was crucified. Now, I want to be really clear about this. When we read the story of Good Friday and, and, and the disciples go to Pilate and ask for the body of Jesus, Pilate asks the centurion, sends word to the centurion to make sure Jesus is really dead. He doesn't expect him to have died that quickly. And the centurion assures him he does. We need to remember that the centurion at this time is a professional executioner. This is what he does. He knows what he is doing in this work. And so he would not have made a mistake about this. Sometimes people have ideas about maybe Jesus didn't really pass away. Maybe he was in a coma or he was passed out. But the centurion would have made sure he was truly dead before he took him down from the cross because the centurion knew that if he took him down before he died, the centurion would have to take his place on that same cross. So there was no mistake when the centurion came to Pilate and said, yes, he, he has died. And the disciples received the body and took it and began preparing it for burial. But because sundown came and the Sabbath was beginning, they didn't have time to complete the preparations. When they went back that Sunday morning, they were going back to finish the burial preparations of Jesus' body. They had spent all day Saturday in a, in a place of desolation and a place of despair, having bet everything in their lives on Jesus only to watch him be arrested and crucified. For Mary, it was a little different, though, because for the disciples, while they had sacrificed everything to follow Jesus, Mary had gained everything in following Jesus. And for them, while it was a matter of giving things up, for Mary, it was a matter of being set free. Matthew and Luke's Gospels tell us that when Jesus encountered Mary Magdalene for the first time, he cast out seven demons from her. I, I, I don't know that any of us can really understand what that was like, um, but I'm going to try to help you have some ideas about that. We've had uh, conversations with a number of families in the church over the last couple of weeks as we've been self-isolating in our homes. And it's been interesting to hear the different stories from different people about what it's like to be cooped up in their house with their whole family for an extended period of time, uh, especially when we've had folks that have young children at home and they've talked about what does it mean to be at home and we're having to be there to care for our kids and we're trying to homeschool our kids, but we're also expected to be working from home while we're homeschooling our kids and entertaining our children and and sometimes the day gets really long and sometimes I just need to go in the bathroom and close the door to have some time to myself or I just need to get out and take a walk by myself so I could have a little time away from all of this uh, you know we, we love our families and they're a blessing but but sometimes we want a little space from them but what if you couldn't close the door of the bathroom and what if you couldn't go out for a walk what if all those people were always with you and in you 24 hours a day talking to you what if you couldn't ever escape that what if there were seven of them living in you 24 hours a day and talking to you your life would be chaotic you'd be confused you probably wouldn't even know which one of them really was you 
Several years ago, I had a man in one of my congregations who had a multiple personality disorder. And when, when that was finally diagnosed, he began a process of treatment with counseling and with uh, medication. Uh, we were praying with him on a regular basis. And over a period of six months to a year or so, uh, he made a remarkable improvement. And we could see it in him when we were around him. Uh, there was a new light about him and uh, a new clarity about him. And we thought, oh, this is amazing. He's doing so well. And then he was in my office one day saying, I think I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop taking the medications. And I'm going, oh, why? You're, you've done so well. Why would you do that? And he said, I'm so alone. All of his life, all of his life, there had been the others with him, no matter what. And so for the first time in his life, he was discovering what it meant to be alone. It's hard for most of us to even comprehend what this was like. And for Mary to be in this crowd all of the time and, and to be in that place of confusion and chaos, to be shoved to the edge of society and shunned. And then one day she met Jesus. And all of the sudden, all of the sudden, she was made whole. She was integrated. She was one person. She knew who she was. She knew she was valued and loved. And she became part of that community that followed Christ, where again she was valued and loved. I mean, for her, these three years with Jesus had been the best three years of her life. They'd been freeing and liberating and bringing wholeness and health and joy and light into her being. And, and, and then on Good Friday, he had died. And she had been plunged into a despair of wondering wondering does this does this mean the goodness in my life will end so they came to the tomb that morning in a place of despair and in a place of desolation and discouragement uh, coming from different places but nonetheless all of them in that place of darkness and they came not to find the risen Christ they came to finish the burial preparations and arriving they were expecting to have to ask the Roman soldiers to to roll the stone back from the tomb so that they could go in and finish doing the work only to find that the the stone was rolled away from the tomb already and the door was wide open and and they walked up to the tomb and looked in and found that he was not there and their first presumption was that somebody had taken the body do you hear that if you will just tell me where they have put him, I will go and get him. What have they done with him? That's their questions. Now, it's interesting that, that John goes into great detail about the linens because he wants us to understand that the linens were not stripped off the body and, and left on the ground like they would have been if a grave robber had actually been there, but rather they were taken off and carefully laid out on the bed as if you had slept through the night and gotten up in the morning and made your bed. He wants you to understand that it, 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 not a grave robber, it was Christ arising and carefully laying these linens back out as he arose in life again. But the disciples in that moment saw and were struggling to believe. John began to understand it. Peter still didn't quite get it. And Mary, Mary stood there in grief. She stood there in grief, wondering, is my life going to stay like it is? Am I going to... Am I going to remain whole? Am I going to remain healthy? Am I going to know that I'm loved and valued? Does he still know who I am? And then she heard a voice. A woman, why are you weeping? 
You know, who is it you're looking for? And in her grief and in the early morning darkness with the tears in her eyes, she didn't recognize at first who he was until she heard her name spoken by that very familiar voice, Mary. I've talked about this before with the congregation. There's something about our names that we hear especially when they're spoken by people that we know and we love. You can be in a a room full of people at a big crowd with lots of noise and lots of talk going on, and and someone who loves you and is close to you will say your name, and it will cut through all of the noise. You'll hear that through everything else in the room as if it was a private signal that is sent to you. I mean, parents hear their children when their children call their name. Children hear their parents call their name. Spouses hear each other's names across the room. Loved ones call out, and we recognize that. When we hear our name spoken by that very familiar loving voice. And so in the midst of her grief, she hears Jesus say her name, Mary. And it cuts through the darkness and it cuts through the tears. And all of a sudden she knows that that those questions, am I going to remain whole? Does he still know me? Does he still love me? Does he still value me? Is my life still going to be good? She knows that the answer is yes. And she runs to him in joy. And Jesus has to say, Mary, you got, you got to let go of me because I, I haven't yet ascended to the Father, so you got to let go of me so I can do that. And then I'll, you need to go tell the other disciples what you've seen. And so interestingly enough, in John's gospel, Mary becomes the first witness to the resurrection. When God looks into her life and says yes to all of her hopes and dreams, Paul writes to the the church in Corinth in one of his letters, and he says this, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God doesn't equivocate. God doesn't change his mind. God promises to us and then in Jesus Christ makes all of those promises a yes. Now there's different ways to look at this. If you go back and you think about all the prophecies of the Old Testament, you can take those and read through those and see how in Christ they became yes. There's a number of tables online. You can find these and and look them up where there's different prophecies and you can see where the prophecy was made in the Old Testament and where it was fulfilled in the New Testament. Uh, Particularly in Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew will point that out to you a lot of times. Uh, But there's a number of these that are uh, available online. There's roughly 38 prophecies that were fulfilled by Christ just on Good Friday alone. And so the the list is is quite long and extensive, actually, if you get into the whole thing. And so there's that sense in which God is saying yes in that way to all the prophecy that went before. But there's also the way in which God is saying yes to Mary in this very personal way. When she's saying, oh, you know, is my life going to still hold together? Am I still going to be one? Am I still going to know who I am? Am I still going to know that I'm loved and valued by him? And and Christ calls her name and she hears the yes to all of her hopes and all of her dreams. You look at the other resurrection appearances of Jesus and, and you see that same thing happening over and over again in very 
personal kinds of ways. Uh, my friend Thomas, who's not with the disciples the first time Jesus shows up, says, listen guys, you know, I, I'd like to believe this, but I, I just can't believe it unless I see it for myself. I need some proof uh, in order to really believe this. And so Jesus comes back and says, you need proof. So here I am, Thomas, reach out and, and touch the holes in my hands and put your hand in my side. Don't doubt, but believe. And, and so Thomas, in that moment, when he's longing for proof so that he can believe, he encounters him and, and hears the yes. Here's your proof. Don't doubt, believe. The same way Cleopas and his companion were walking from Jerusalem out to the village of Emmaus on their way home and were trying to make sense of all of it. They didn't understand how the pieces all fit together. And, and Jesus joined them on the road, although they didn't recognize him, and began to open their minds so they could understand all the scriptures and how all the prophecies and all the scriptures pointed to the event of Christ. When they stopped that evening and they were there at the table and, and had him stay with them and he broke the bread, they suddenly realized who it was and that he disappeared and they said, weren't our hearts burning with us on the road when he opened our minds to understand all of Scripture? When they said, oh, how are we ever going to make sense of this? Can we, is there any way we can ever understand how all of this fits together and, and why things had to happen the way they did? And Jesus comes to them and says, yes, this is how it all fits together. This is how it all makes sense. For our brother Peter who had denied Jesus three times on that last evening, who had said, I don't know him, don't know who he is, even had, had sworn an oath that he didn't know who he was. Peter was going, oh, can I ever be forgiven? Can he ever forgive me? Will he still love me? And so Peter and his disciples are fishing on the Sea of Galilee and they look on the shore and, and Jesus is standing there and Jesus calls them and, and he makes breakfast for them there on the shore and as they come and they share breakfast with him on the shore that morning, he turns to Peter three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? Three times, once for each denial. And Peter all of a sudden Here's, you know, can, can he still love me? Can he forgive me? Will he still claim me? Peter hears the yes, the yes that he longs to hear. I mean, there's these personal stories that come out of the gospel that Jesus not simply is the yes to all the, the prophecies of the Old Testament, but Jesus is the yes to all of our hopes and our dreams, the things that we long for, the things that we are afraid of, the things that hurt us, all of those things that we long to be released from, Jesus is our yes and speaks that word into us in his resurrection because in overcoming the power of death and sin he has set us free to live into all that God imagines for us for a young South Texas kid who had strayed away from God and made a number of bad decisions uh, there was a night on this river bank in the Frio River where he sat and he wondered oh does God even still know who I am much less does God care about me and does God even care enough to love me and, and there on that riverbank he heard God say yes as he was plunged beneath the waters in baptism and God speaks that yes into our lives over and over again in all the places where we are in pain and all the places where we are longing and all the places where we are afraid God speaks that yes. To stand on the, the edge of a grave and wonder about, is there more than this? Is there more to life than, than this grave and this death? And to hear God say yes 
in the presence of the risen Christ with us. To be uh, in all those times when I'm with families and we're praying together and we're giving thanks for someone that has died and saying, Lord, we want to give you thanks for this person. And we're lifting them up to you and, and you're wanting to know for sure that God has thrown his arms open to welcome them home and God speaks yes. It's like Paul writes in Romans 8 when he says, you know, there's really nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even death or life. Nothing can separate us because in Christ Jesus, God has said yes to us. And so this morning, you know, we, we come in this time of the, the COVID pandemic, and I know some of you are wondering, well, you know, are we ever going to get on the other side of this? Is life ever going to be normal again? And God says, yes. Are we going to get through this financially? Are we going to be able to put it back together? God says, yes. Is there a possibility for healing for us? And God says, yes. And for those of us who've already lost loved ones and are feeling that pain and we're wondering if that will ever be healed, God says, yes. And wondering if our loved ones are in his arms, God says, yes. And all the places of our lives where we wonder if there's meaning, God says, yes. And the places where we wonder if there's purpose, God says, yes. We're wondering if there ever can be hope again, God says, yes, because all, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. So my brothers and sisters, on this morning on Easter, even in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, lift up your heads and rejoice because God has said yes to us. And the proof of that, say it with me, is that Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.